Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, Jason Bond in the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom's with me. Good morning, Tom. Morning, Jason. How are you? And Drew's here. Drew, good, good to see you. So Drew took some time out of the irrigation season to sit down and talk with us, so we certainly appreciate that. Absolutely. It's good to have you. I mean, obviously, that irrigation is definitely on everybody's mind right now since we're pretty much done with corn, wrap that up, and that's certainly something I'm sure you'll touch on. Tom's not done with corn. No, we're, we got a little little bit left to go, a lot of, lot of hybrid trials left to run through and some fungicide trials to finish looking at, but we plant things a little bit later. You know what I think you need to help you with all that sporulation? <clears throat> I had somebody tell with? me the other day was I needed an air-conditioned suit to walk in the corn so that I didn't get so covered in spores. I was just thinking a mask. Mask would be good. Respirator. <clears throat> I try to limit the amount of time that I would pass out in a cornfield. I don't slow down very much, and I sweat a lot. The hybrid trials in the Mississippi hybrid trial program are planted on 30-inch centers. So you really see the difference in how dirty Tom gets between a 30-inch center and a 40-inch center. When he got home last night, Tracy said, oh, huh, not as dirty. I said, well, that extra 10 inches really cuts down on dirt. I leave you speechless. I, I, yeah, I really can't. You didn't consider it like I, I, that, I, I did you? I can't even respond to that. I, I don't even, I, I can't even respond. Just another random comment. The beauty of weed control is I don't have to go through a tasseled out cornfield. You kind of have to get over the fact that you're just going to be covered in whatever you're walking through. And thankfully, that fungus isn't going to grow in my lungs because it'll only grow in a corn plant. So... What I've breathed in is not likely to cause me much issue other than some congestion. Drew, it's 9.57 a.m. I'm sorry, 9.58 a.m. It's 88 degrees. That means it's hot. It's hot. You've been here for, this would be your third this summer. This is my, my third summer. Following a life lived in Texas, right? Mm -hmm. So what's hotter, Texas in August or Mississippi in August? This summer in Mississippi is hotter the past two i would say texas those were kind of outliers so uh -huh. i'm still getting my my normal my bearing straight on what <laughs> there's not normal <laughs> yeah it's just hot or good lord it's hot yeah but no this this was a couple spans of some some nice heat so but you're not necessarily from the dry heat part of texas well, either I, though. i am from that's where i grew up is the, the dry heat is the dry heat and you know 100 degree weather just for, keep for 25 days straight i was in college station for 15 years before moving here and the humidity is i'd say yeah. on par that to yeah. here but i it That's took it took south. some adjustment from the north texas to or the college station area to get used to that humidity but i've been been acclimated since moving here so i feel good about it tom you can weigh in here because you moved here oh. from Texas, I don't know if you have any recollection of Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I remember. Weather. And Lived were, in Amarillo for like two, not quite two and a half years, and then actually did. I did all my postdoctoral research in Phoenix, Arizona. So that's bona fide West Texas and desert. Yeah, and, the, you know, when it's, it's like, 125 degrees in, Am in Phoenix and you're looking for a shade tree or a shade palm to try to get a little bit of shade, yeah, that's asphyxiating heat you can't breathe although there's zero humidity so it's really not that bad shade trees do work better there than here 
Yes, I feel they like do. I can get away from the heat. We can't escape the humidity here. It's kind yeah. of all-encompassing. I mean, my limited experience with it is the temperature at which you can still function in West Texas or North Texas will put you on the ground in the Mississippi Delta, assuming it's a humid day. No doubt. And I used to tell people when I lived in Baton Rouge, you know, that in the Delta it's 100 degrees and 95% humidity, and in Baton Rouge it's 95 degrees and 100% humidity. Just miserable both places. As I alluded to a minute ago, Drew, for the most part, at least in the Mississippi Delta, irrigation practices have terminated for, for corn. What do our listeners need to know for corn irrigation practices at this point, Drew? They're black layer, they're done. Definitely don't want to see anybody irrigating after black layer. That's that's wasting time and money and water and everything else. But I think for the most part, we've made that at, to that point. And so I I feel like we're we're moving on to the to the others. Just driving around looking at things, I would pretty much agree with that. And I've not talked to anybody. Well, I take that back. There's some folks probably in East Mississippi, but their irrigation practices would be holistically different than what ours are. They're mostly pivot irrigated if they are choosing to water. Yeah, I do have some uh, moisture sensors out in East Mississippi, and we do have some that are still going. It's a little bit later, but uh, again, same principles of kind of predicting out that black layer, being able to tell how much moisture we have in the profile, and then knowing to get to get to to the black layer with adequate moisture. And at that point, you're done. Well, and based on those moisture sensors you have out in East Mississippi, how many irrigation events are you considering to finish the season out in those instances? I mean, at most, we're, I think we're, we're at the finish line, one more. So we're, we're pretty well wrap, wrapping up corn irrigation. What about Cahoma Quitman counties up in there? Because I know they were just generally a little bit later on the front side of the season. I have a, a, an on-farm site uh, in Cahoma and we we did irrigate last week to finish it out. Okay. And we officially wrapped that up after we we finished watering that one out. That was my latest on any on farm uh, research I had was yeah. up in Cahoma. So related to that, Drew, how many on farm studies or or demos or mm-hmm. you know collectively do you have across the crops? Quick answers: too many. This year, <laughs> when you sent me that text of every well in the Delta is on, I think at one point during that hot yeah. span, it was... And it, something probably like, man, I'm glad I'm not the irrigation dude. <laughs> Our window's short, right? So, but but it, it was... It's short but intense. But when things don't go smooth, you, uh, we're bouncing around, fixing issues, and none of it's uh, happy, happy issues, you know? So we probably... I'll have to do some quick math. We've got... Probably 12 to 15 on-farm research evaluation where we've got different levels of automation, pump controls with sensors, and then can start the pump and, and open and close valves that we're evaluating how that works. And, and so you, when you're in an evaluation stage, things you're, you're going through kinks and, and things like that. So that 12 to 15 range and that's across crops? Across crops. I've got some in rice, corn, and soybean. And then we ha- I have probably another 15 soil moisture sensor demos where we're putting a soil moisture sensor in a, in a grower's field and working with them on making irrigation decisor, uh, decisions with those sensors. Between the two of those, you know, 30, 35. And you have a basically a full-time 
staff devoted to those on farm running yeah up and down we expanded quite a bit from last year wide openness of this this summer as far as irrigation goes and the expansion it was it was a busy time but we are slowing down now based on the temperature of this year that probably was a good decision to make because in the years that we've had an irrigation specialist in Stoneville, we've not really run across a summer like this one. Well, I mean, we've had some rain here, at least. I don't know about Delta-wide, but here, at least, we've had some rain the past two or three weeks. And, and they've been pretty timely because we ended. We still have plenty of moisture in most of the fields we were considering doing some irrigation in. But for the most part, we were even done water and corn in our program, and we plant most of those you know, a little bit later than normal. But the temperatures have definitely been uh-huh. higher than what we've experienced the past few years. So I just wanted you to comment on that on farm program, Drew, because that is a big effort. And some folks might not realize that if they hear you talk or read something, whatever outlet that is, there's a lot behind what y'all are doing. There's a lot behind what Tom is doing. Personally, I have the luxury of all my stuff being on the station in Stoneville and partly by design and partly out of necessity. I mean, I can seriously mess up a guy's field for the future by letting a bunch of stuff go to seed, palm ramrath, whatever else. And so we've chosen over the years to try to create areas where we can work on the station. And man, that's the value of that is, is just incredible compared with what you do. And then what Tom does, you know, running around and going to where, the problems are. So having that capability and then collecting that information and getting it out there for people, uh, I just wanted to make sure that people had a better understanding of the way that you collect the information that you do. I suspect you said it expanded this year. It'll probably expand again next year just for the fact that people know you're here and people know that you're interested in being there and helping them. So I think your reputation is really growing and and we appreciate that. Well, and I think the irrigation strategy that you all have really come up with is definitely beneficial for most farmers because the ones that I talk to and deal with, it's, it's more of an art uh, in some cases. And then some of them are still, you know, weekly irrigations. Well, we always water on a Monday. And, and I think that the necessity of, of putting in some of those probes and really considering how that science behind the probe and, and all the rest of that is influential from a standpoint of making ends meet and, and probably the return on investments a lot more substantial in most cases. I categorize things, but you know, on the on-farm stuff is I have it split between some of it's on-farm research and some of it's just I, strictly like what I'm calling the demos is strictly extension. And so we have some proven practices like the probes that, that we, we've done enough research and, and collected enough data on that we know if we can use these sensors and we, we we're honing in on what our triggers are, what our thresholds are. You can only do so much on, with talking about it or writing it down. It, it really, every situation is going to be different between that farm. When they turn on their well, how, how quickly, you know, they're, I can't give you a number to look at their sensors and then they know when to turn on their well. It depends on how large their, their acres, you know, the field, how it's fields that are associated with that well. So a lot of the ones that, that have a lot of questions and, and interested in it, but, but we put in a soil moisture sensor on their field and we just walk through a season or multiple seasons with them. And we try to track that growing confidence level, not only in themselves making the decisions with the sensors, but 
confidence really in the sensors that the, what they're saying is is uh, telling them something that they can actually base good information on. There are deeper sensors. Is, is a lot of times what what growers miss is uh, there's actual moisture down there, thirty plus inches that the plant's utilizing, and uh, that's hard to hard to quantify by by putting a spade or putting a soil probe in there and and checking the moisture. Well, it's hard to uh, keep in perspective thirty inches deep in the soil profile. I mean, that's basically out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, you stick a shovel in the ground, like, man, it's dry. And like you said, it's really not. And related to that, and then also related to a comment that Tom made, in the time I've been here, you know, Tom talked about the, I guess, the kind of evolution. That's not the word you used, but that's what you I think that's what you meant, and that's what I was thinking while while you were talking, Tom, just the conversations I have with people, and granted, I don't have a lot of conversations with people about irrigation because it's just not my time of the year. You know, I'm more early season, and we've had years that we, we've had to water early, but just the conversations that I've had with people over the years and the technical aspects of those conversations, like Tom said, at some point in the past, it was, well, we water every week. And now it's, man, you know, I've got to get a different size hole here because it's not watering out in the time that I want it to. And just something as simple as that, I think we've come a long way in the way that we irrigate in a pretty short time. And I think we probably have said that on here before, but it's still very, very true. Naturally, your own farm programs are contributing to that because every one of those situations is different. With me, pretty much aside from soil texture, a herbicide is going to work similarly regardless of where I put it. But with you or even with Tom, in the case of diseases being either there or not, and then y'all, there's just so many variables that go into efficiently irrigating not only a field, but efficiently irrigating a farm. That's right. And, you know, and that's what I try. You know, getting on farm, not only, uh, hopefully it helps the farmers and make decisions, but it, it also helps me understand there's a lot going on other than my little world of when to turn on this well. And so turning on this well means to that farmer that, that I've got to turn on the next one. And so just irrigating the calendar, it helps up a good schedule from their standpoint. But I do think when we get sensors in the field and we're scheduling off those with other things that come into play. I mean, it's not just we're waiting for this one point and then we're going to go. They have got to take into account how many wells that they're going to have to go and when they need to be done by and all the other stuff that's going on on farm. But we can add information to them to help make the best decision that they can, that they can take in all that other information. Probably the busiest phone call time times periods that I have would be initiation. When, when do we start up? And then now around the irrigation termination time frame, as far as questions go, um, you know, if it's hot and dry, there's not a lot of questions on when I need to irrigate. Uh, those those wells are, are running seven to 10 days, or if they're using moisture sensors, they may be able to understand how much that play out that scenario of if we have rainfall chances coming, can they can they hold off a couple of days? But really in between that, um, it's, it's initiation, hopefully encouraging that little bit more root growth and understanding comfort that they, they've got enough moisture in there to hold off a little bit. And then now with termination, Tom, you said it, it, it can be an art sometimes. And so now we're using soil moisture sensors to, to help understand how much moisture we have in that profile. And then we're looking at the growth stages of the plant and trying to predict out or know, know where we're at, but then know how much time we have left before it's uh, reach uh, maturity. 
And then we can understand, do we have enough moisture in there? Do we need to put another shot of water across it? Does there rain chances up in a couple of days that we know that if we don't get it, we still got time to get an adequate amount of moisture from that irrigation. Or if we know if we irrigate right now, we're done and we can go ahead and pull the pipe. Those are all the scenarios that we're, you know, I can have a conversation with a farmer about this growth stage and how much moisture we have in this farm or on this field, but his farm management operation, there's these other things that's going to go into it, but uh, we can have a conversation and I can have the same scenario, same moisture, same growth stage, but we may have different decisions that we end up making, whether we go ahead and irrigate or we wait, wait a couple of days. Uh, I think end of last week, we had some soybeans that were right at R6. We can feel comfortable cutting off irrigation at R6 and a half. We probably had about four days of irrigation before we needed to irrigate again, three to four days is we need to turn on that well based on our soil moisture sensors. But we're, because we're at R6 and we saw uh, no chances of rain coming, we made the decision to go ahead and irrigate it at R6 and know that we're done. We could have pushed it and be able to see, do we get a little bit closer to that R6.5 and, and make a, make a call? It'd be really close. Probably needed to irrigate again anyways. So now we go ahead and irrigate and we know we're done. And, and you know, these later planted beans, I got a lot of calls last year about last irrigation, probably more so than I know the previous year because worried about that last irrigation and then it just staying wet. And so trying to wait out situations on if we want to irrigate and then it doesn't dry up. So the earlier, a lot of times that we can comfortably irrigate and know that it's going to last us through and then this begins to dry up and get in the field quicker and easier. Those are all situations that we talk about when we talk about that last irrigation. I'm concerned more with the termination side of it than the initiation side of it and not discounting the initiation side but i feel like at the on the back side if i didn't water one more time did it cost me or in the case of cotton when we can get into some fruit shed and things like that that are just a, there's a lot to account for and then on the front side seems like a lot of it's more systematic you take corn and soybean operation for example plant fertilize spray roll pipe it's a lot more I guess, cookie cutter, and then it's pretty simple to just to go start the first set and get going, whereas at the end, it's just do you or don't you, and so I think that's a big, it's a big concern I have, you know, just thinking about it and, and talking to people, so I think the the work that y'all are doing there is is really important. Last irrigation, what we, do, you know, we don't want to waste time, we don't want to waste water, waste money by turning on the well if it's not needed. But we definitely want to make sure we finish it out and have adequate moisture in there until it reaches uh, the mature stage so that it's not needing any more moisture. We're not going to hurt yields that way. So it's just those are the those are the balance. Either we don't want to waste waste money and do it if we don't if we don't have to, but we also don't want to stress it out. Well, and I feel pretty sure you probably get a lot of questions about what happens if I cheat the system for lack of a better word there and don't water that last time on something like soybean. How much could that impact yield? And that's just a canned hypothetical. I feel pretty certain you get that question pretty regular. We do. I don't know if we know exactly what the yield hit's going to be, but we are feeling, you know, the in the soybeans probably more so than than corn. I feel like we would have a hit um, as it's filling the pods. Um, I've talked to Eric Larson, and, and he's, you know, those those situations where we could irrigate or we or we couldn't, and we. It's kind of going down to that, 
we, we could lay off. It may not have enough moisture at the end of it, um, but we might want to go ahead and irrigate. He, he has done some on farm where he's irrigated one and irrigated, not irrigated one and irrigated the other. And from what I understand, the conversations I've had with him, they really haven't seen any yield hit or, or bump from that final uh, late season irrigation um, in the corn when you get closer to that stage. So if it's getting close on, on corn, on whether you're going to make it or not, it seems to be you're pretty well safe by holding off maybe on that late season irrigation. You know, going into soybeans, it seems to be, I, I think we want to make sure we have adequate moisture. What does adequate moisture mean? And that that's hard. You know, when I say adequate moisture, and that that's where probes and soil moisture sensors in the field help because we can get, like you said, 30 inches down, they're pulling water from down there. We can, we can make a pretty good, accurate estimate on is there moisture and how long that moisture is going to stay in there as the rate that they're pulling that water out. I mean, we're, we're going down on the water use curve with the soybeans at the, at the end of that season, so they're not using as much as they were several weeks ago, but we still want to make sure they're at adequate moisture, moisture in that profile to be able to, to, to use it. And then when we finish out, it, we, we try to change the mindset of we need from a trigger point when we need to turn on the well, because when we want to turn on the well, we want that last field to not get stressed out. And so we're starting ahead when we're finishing out. If we can make that last termination call of we're done irrigating all those, all those fields at the same time, we don't need to, we don't need to irrigate earlier like we were in the season when we're irrigating and cycling through. We just want all of them to finish out um, to where they're not being stressed out. And, and so we have adequate moisture in there. And so we, that, that gives us, I don't know if that makes sense, but we gives us several days because we're not having to worry about, getting when we start this field and it takes four days or five days to get around we can just let them all go and we we can go back up to that threshold point not our irrigation trigger where we want to turn on that well so if we think of it that way usually that we can back it off a few a few more days like at least four to five more days because we can finish out and get that termination point we've come a long way on irrigation i think we probably talked about that before when we've had you in here drew and i've been around irrigation growing up some of the first things i did on the farm but i <laughs> assure you it is much more advanced than it was when when i first started doing it so we appreciate everything you're doing tom you have any other comments i was just gonna say i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of science to back a lot of that up but still almost i would think from where i sit and that a lot of field situations differ. So you have a tremendous amount of difference between field situations and soil classes and how many years that field's been in a specific crop. And there are probably even varietal and hybrid differences as to how irrigation use sufficiency occurs within that plant that I think a lot that there's a tremendous amount of work that still needs to be done in those areas, at least from the scientific standpoint. You know, that's that's not something I drive up and down the road and think about much, but you can imagine I do end up with a tremendous amount of questions when it comes to irrigation as well from a disease management standpoint. You know, because you don't like to walk in the mud, basically. Well, That's- I don't love to walk in the mud, but I do. I, I show when I show up to rate plots at somebody's place and they're watering, and I have to be there that day. I just pull the boots on and go. I mean, there ain't there ain't much else you can do, and grin and bear it and move on. It's not fun, but some days what is? So the combination of for irrigation in 30-inch rows puts Tom in a bad mood, right? I'd be a foul mood if I had to walk a cornfield looking at southern rust at this point in the season. 
being irrigated on 30-inch rows. That'd stink. <laughs> well, Drew, man, we appreciate it. Glad you're winding down a little bit. It's got a, a few more weeks to go, and then you'll be home free on the irrigations. We appreciate you taking the time this morning. Don't Don't get too hot this afternoon. Yeah, and to our regular listeners or anybody else out there, if you need any one-on-one support, you have specific questions, feel free to track any of us down. It's pretty easy to get in touch with us. Make sure you call our cell numbers, though. If you call our office number, some of us that aren't in the office with any regularity may not get to that phone call for a little while. There's no doubt. I appreciate it. Thanks for always having me on here, and I look forward to being back. Thanks, Drew. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.